0: This morning's scripture reading is taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, verses 22 to 25. Proverbs, chapter 23, verses 22 to 25. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. We are privileged to have Dr. Wang Chimei to preach to us this morning's sermon. You look just like your father. Thank you, Changxiang. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, May your Spirit open our minds to your truth, our hearts to your love, our understanding to your word. Grant us spirit-anointed eyes to see Christ in the faces of brothers and sisters around us, and help us to receive your gospel of salvation in the preaching of your word this morning. We ask this for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of us have scars on our bodies as a result of previous injuries, falls, scrapes, or from previous surgeries? Scars are healed wounds seen on our bodies. And every scar has a story. But what about scars that are hidden? There are scars of mental or emotional wounds that all of us receive because we live in a fallen world where we are not always kind to one another. We inflict injuries upon others when we speak carelessly, cruel words without thinking, betray friendships, which had meant something once upon a time, but no longer do. These wounds struck deep upon a person's heart can leave wounds and scars which take much longer to heal, and some never do. Let's come and learn from the wisdom literature of the Bible how to live our lives wisely and to hear God's words of healing. It is perhaps providential that we had just celebrated or remembered Qingming in April and celebrated Parents' Day last week. My father died just over five years ago and my mother celebrated her 96th birthday in January. So when I looked at our passage this morning, It brought back bittersweet memories. So Proverbs 23, verses 22 to 33. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. I know that in his public persona, my father was first a respected doctor in Cebu for over 20 years, before he was a politician for 22 years in Sarawak. In his lifetime, he had made many speeches, some of which I had even helped him type out. However, my father was a man of few words at home, I suppose he lived with the thought of Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. Even a fool who remains silent is considered wise, and the one who holds his tongue is deemed discerning. However, I think his sense of humor would have preferred the modernized version of this saying attributed to Mark Twain. It's better to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid then open it and remove all doubt. My mother had always been the disciplinarian at home, whereas Dad was our playmate. He would take me and my brother swimming. He would he taught me how to play badminton, table tennis. He would bring me to watch t- movies in the cinemas and bring us on holidays. Dad would buy us ice cream and take us out for supper at night. He was incredibly busy in his work, and yet he always seemed to have time for my siblings and I. My father worked at the Cebu Hospital for almost 20 years as a government doctor. During that time, there were very few doctors, and he was a jack-of-all-trades kind of surgeon. He could tackle any problem from the head to the toe, Neurosurgical to obstetrics, gynecological to orthopedics. Nowadays, when subspecialization narrows down our medical practice to the minutiae, dad was competent in so many fields. Nearly every meal that my parents would sit down to, whether at home or in a restaurant, he would be interrupted and would be asked to attend a patient in hospital, and my father would simply get up and go. He never grumbled. Mum and Dad never, or hardly ever, had a night of uninterrupted sleep. But again, I never heard a word of complaint from either of them. This was their choice of profession. This was their service to their community. And when patients could not pay, they would simply say, it's okay. And grateful patients would come to the house bearing gifts of chickens, ducks, geese, and fruit. I know because I was chased and bitten by one of those horrible geese once upon a time. Brothers and sisters, how do we face challenging tasks at our workplaces, at homes, in schools, or even in church? Do we entertain unwanted interruptions with patience or annoyance? Do we look at difficulties with determination and try to overcome them with a smile on our faces and a song in our hearts? because we are where God has placed us, for his work, in his service? Or do we growl at people, taking out our anger and frustration upon whoever is unfortunate enough to cross our paths? Dad was greatly loved by his patients, who trusted his skills implicitly. When I was working as a medical officer in Bintulu Hospital many years ago, I was once approached by a man who insisted that I had to go and see him. He wasn't my patient, but he made such a fuss that I went just to pacify him. And when I asked him what he wanted, he simply said, (laughs) He said, you are your father's daughter. I just want you to touch me. I will get better after this. So this was the first lesson which I learned watching my parents as I grew up, to carry out compassionate service with humility and joy. My parents had to work very hard to earn enough to support three children to study overseas. Medical charges were very low during their time. Do you know how much? With medicine, four to seven ringgit per patient. But they managed to save enough to send three of us abroad to attend boarding schools and to complete our university education there. At home, it was always a matter of principle that we should always tell the truth, even when it hurts. To do what was right, no matter the personal cost. If I failed to practice the piano, I had to own up. If I bullied my little sister, I would never deny it if my mom asked, even if it meant getting disciplined. I wonder if any of you remember the time of the confrontation emergency in Sarawak in the late 1960s and early 1970s. Communist insurgents were a threat to the integrity of Malaysia at that time. And Operation Judas was launched to rout out communist sympathizers in 1973 in the Rejang Basin. Anyone suspected of assisting them would be arrested under emergency rule and jailed without trial. As doctors, my parents never discriminated against their patients. Those who were sick were never questioned regarding their political affiliations And just like the parable of the Good Samaritan, the question of ethnicity, political or religious alliances, allegiances were never issues of concern, only their need was. My parents were abroad when this operation was launched. In fact, Dad was in Baltimore at the Johns Hopkins Hospital learning about laparoscopic surgery. Even when their friends urged them not to return to Sarawak, they courageously did. And God, in His mercy, kept them safe from harassment and harm. So the second lesson I learned from them was courage. Courage to love and to be true to oneself. Brothers and sisters, have we ever encountered situations when it was hard to decide which was the right choice to make, the right path to follow? How do we go about deciding what was the right thing to do? Are we not blessed that God has left us with a helper in the person of the Holy Spirit? The spirit of truth and wisdom guides us along paths of righteousness by illuminating his word to us as we seek him through prayer and study of his word. When my father put aside his scalpel in the hospital and exchanged it for dialogue within the political field in 1974, he didn't really change professions. Both were about healing. The former was a healing of sick and broken bodies. The latter, a healing of divided communities with differing hopes, ideologies, and aspirations, seeking to find common ground, establish good governance in order to build a united, stable, and prosperous Sarawak for all her peoples. He served Sarawak for 22 years before losing his seat in a state election in 1996. I remembered waiting for him at the house as he came back from seeing the then Chief Minister. Many of his friends were also there waiting to commiserate with his loss. Dad simply smiled sadly and just said, that's the people's choice. He resigned from all his posts in politics immediately and over the following years, gradually retired from his roles in other societies. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 reminds us to everything There is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. You might then ask, Was my father's life work then a failure? Did he succeed in what he had set out to do? In the end, the quality of one's life cannot be measured by the quantity of one's success the extent of one's achievements, one's salary, awards, or promotions. It would come down to this. Was his cause one which could not be destroyed by failure or ruined by success? Was it something that would ultimately succeed because it was based on God's truth, God's beauty, and God's goodness? God's measure of human success has never been about how much one has accumulated, but how much we have given. My father enjoyed his retirement and lived his life at peace with himself and his friends right until the end. I think one of his definitions of love is making the world safe for the other person, who can then know that it is possible to count on you to do so. Dad has always felt that harboring bitterness is like swallowing and poison and then waiting for the other person to die. Total waste of energy. So the third lesson I learned from my father was the freedom of forgiveness. What about us? Do we fret and harbor all kinds of bitterness and uncharitable thoughts when we feel injured and hurt by those who work against us? How ready are we to turn the other cheek? Do we wish our opponents ill? making our mutual antagonism worse by refusing to forgive or by refusing to offer the olive branch of reconciliation? Do we understand that to forgive another who wounds us is to say, your actions hurt me but no longer bind me and I will no longer Find you, us, with my unforgiveness. In forgiving you, I set us both free. My parents ensured that all three of us attended Sunday school when we were children and attended church-based primary, secondary, and boarding schools until university. I am so thankful that they did because it was in a dingy little classroom in 1973 in England that God opened my heart to his gospel and forced the encounter between a rebellious 16-year-old student and his son. Capitulation was total and Christ is confessed as my Lord and Saviour ever since. James 1, verse 27, Here are the beliefs and way of life that God our Father accepts as pure and without fault. When widows are in trouble, take care of them. Do the same for children who have no parents and don't let the world make you impure. If I were to evaluate their lives according to Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one 31-46, at the final judgment of the nations and the division of the sheep and the goats, I know which side of Christ they would be on. At my father's funeral, I was given the task of thanking everyone who had come to attend the service and apart from thanking everyone who had helped us during that time i also thanked god for giving me an earthly father who made it so easy for me to turn to him and call him my heavenly father proverbs 23 24-25 the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice he who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. I cannot claim to have lived up to the expectations of my parents. But I know of one who had done that for his father. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, we read, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. At Jesus' baptism, the Father ripped open the heavens to declare his pleasure over his Son. If you remember, Jesus had only just been baptized by his cousin John at the Jordan River. His ministry had not yet begun, but already... His father was pleased. What with? His faithfulness as a son to his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, his role as provider and protector for his younger brothers and sisters in Nazareth when working as a carpenter. These small and humble acts of service to parents, family, and neighbors, done with simple joy, and willingness reflected godlikeness in his life, someone beloved of his heavenly father. However, even more than that, Jesus had left the splendor of heaven and took on human flesh to become like us. Let's read Philippians two, verses five to eight. Together, In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything. But he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit. But he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He was born as a man and became like a servant. And when he was living as a man, he humbled himself, and was fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on the cross. And so, God raised him to the highest place. God made his name greater than every other name, so that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and bring glory to God the Father. What about us? Are we in our day-to-day living as a husband or wife, son or daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, employer, employee, teacher, student? Are we able to please God in such a manner that he would tear open the heavens to declare his pleasure and favour upon us? Can we learn of Christ to seek to serve in humility and simplicity and not demand our rights to be recognised or to be served? The second time this happened is recorded in Matthew 17, verse 5, at the Mount of Transfiguration. A voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And on that mount, we hear God speaking to the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, of the Father's abiding favor and pleasure upon Jesus near the end of his Galilean ministry and his preparation to go to Jerusalem. There he would face the cross, to suffer and die for the sins of the world. John 13, verses 3 to 5, talks about Jesus knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. He got up from the meal, removed his outer clothes, and took a towel and tied it around himself. He poured water into the wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel he had wrapped around himself. Jesus has left us an example of humble, cruciform love, which overcomes the world of its skepticism and unbelief. This is a very familiar passage to all of you, but reading from the J.B. Phillips translation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him shall not be lost, but should have eternal life. You must understand that God has not sent his Son into the world to pass sentence on it, but to save it through him. Anyone who believes in him is not judged at all. It is the one who will not believe who stands already condemned because he will not believe in the character of God's only Son. And this is the judgment that light has entered the world and men have preferred darkness to light because their deeds are evil. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus struggled to drink the cup of wrath held out to him. But out of obedience to the Father and love for us, he yielded to his Father's will and faced the cross with courage and faith in his Father's purpose and authority. The cry of dereliction wrenched from his tortured lips as he hung upon the cross revealed the cost and pain that bearing the sins of the world caused as the Father now turns his face away. The pleasure and delight of his Father at the beginning of his ministry is now reversed as Christ experienced the full abandonment and absence of God. Yet, he loved his father more than life itself and trustingly yielded his spirit to him at the cross as he breathed his last. And at the cross, Jesus prayed for those who crucified him, seeking their forgiveness rather than their condemnation. He forgave the betrayal of Judas, the denials of Peter, the desertion of the disciples, the denouncement of the Jewish leaders, the ignorant insults of the crowds, the mockery of the two thieves, and the cruel indifference of the soldiers. Redemption had to go through the way of vicarious suffering of the Son. Jesus looked beyond the cross and the grave and kept his eyes upon the new kingdom and new creation, which the Father would inaugurate by way of his triumphant resurrection. Not even the Son of God could bypass the cross of shame and humiliation. And we, must do the same if we are to follow Christ. Hebrews 12, verses 2-3 to Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. At the upper room, in John 14, verses 8 to 9, we read, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be content. And Jesus replied, Have I been with you for so long? and you have not known me, Philip? The person who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? How many of us have the audacity of faith to make such a similar claim? When people look at me and say, you remind me of your Father, I would wonder in my heart, which father do you mean? My earthly father or my heavenly father? Which one? Brothers and sisters, do you know that at the resurrection of the dead, all of us will have perfect bodies, no deformities, no scars? suited for life in the age to come, in a kingdom that will never end? Do you also know that the only one who will have scars on his body will be our Lord Jesus Christ? The scars on his hands and his feet, his side, these will never disappear or fade and they tell a story of costly grace. They will be a permanent reminder, an eternal reminder to us that we are greatly loved, completely forgiven, treasured, forever saved, bought at such great price. What a saviour! What a wonderful God! No wonder we need eternity to worship him. Let us pray. Father, you have called out your church to be a hospital for the walking wounded, where those scarred-for-life casualties of a sin-filled world can find rest and respite. In a world where we fire live bullets of anger, criticism, and discriminatory hatred against one another, may we find refuge in this community which is birthed by your resurrection, called by your name. Let your church beautifully carry the name of our savior out to those beyond our four walls, to the lost, the hurting, and the deeply injured. Help us pour your cooling balm upon their wounds so that they might be healed and be revived to face another day with courage, hope, and trust in you, our only Savior and Redeemer God. Help us to forgive and love one another, not because we have to, but because we want to, For it is only in this manner of gracious living that the world will see that we are truly like our Father who is in heaven. Equip and strengthen us in this holy work, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.